When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another week of Ranching Reboot. This episode, like all other episodes, has been sponsored by our generous patrons over on patreon.com forward slash Red Hills Rancher. Today, we're going to take a little bit different of a track than we've been on lately, and we're going to visit with a gentleman that owns a tech company that I think has got some tech that they're working on that could be a big benefit to us all. So let's give a big warm welcome to Mr. Frank Wooten from Vince.io. Hi, Frank. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing, I'm doing great. It's, it's great to finally meet up and, uh, and get you here. So what, what is Vince? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're a platform to, to help enable the, you know, precision management of cattle, I think is, is the simplest way to describe our product that involves a collar and a, and a communications platform that sits behind it. But in the end, it all is a, it's a, it's a solution. That was a lot shorter answer than I thought you were going to give. Okay, so <laughs> how does it work? I can, I can elaborate. Um, <laughs> you know, most, most ranchers uh, have, have a pretty good idea how, how it works if they think about how they, how they run their operations, whether it's you know, them you know, using uh, side-by-sides or, or them feeding cottonseed cake to the cattle. You know, they see those cattle come running um, or avoiding them depending on, on different sounds. We tie a sound with a, an electric stimuli, and uh, basically that trains the cows that when they hear that sound, they have to avoid a certain zone. And then what we allow a rancher to do is be able to, to draw those zones that can be either keep in or keep out zones anywhere across their property um, and manage their herd uh, without the need for, for physical fencing or without the need for people out there in, in the field to, uh, to, to move them. Okay, so what you're talking about is is an app or a website that I can go to and I can draw borders in on my on my ranch and then I can like exclude areas where I don't want them to go. And then all I have to do is get these collars on the cows, right? Correct. Okay. So I I mean I have so many questions, I just don't know which one to ask first. That's, that's why we're here. <laughs> let's Wait, talk let's take a little background, right? Like Frank, how did you even get into Vince? How did you like what was I, like what the, what the hell am I doing here? Uh, well, <laughs> I was gonna wait till a little later to get into that, but yeah. Oh, like, you're gonna wait for a couple cocktails to kick in. To, to <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. So I I think a lot of people when we have uh, you know new guests is like we want to know how did you find ag and what was yeah. your background and, and um you know stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so absolutely from nowhere you know from from nowhere near ag um from from a, from a completely different county um i uh so i grew up in annapolis maryland uh my, my mom was professor at the naval academy she's an electrical engineer and um you know my dad worked in in finance and and so i went to school i was a double major in accounting and finance 
uh, I worked in, in New York for, for six years in, in kind of banking and, and I got uh, pulled out of that job to go run actually an investment firm and so ran, ran a fund for, for six years. And about 12 years into my career, basically uh, was at a point where uh, I had a customer base that said that they were thinking about the long term, but were constantly asking me what I'd done in the last 24 hours. Um, and, and there was just a disconnect about what I had set out to do and what I was able to do. Um, and um, so we, uh, my, my partner, business partner and I wound down our investment firm and, and I started to do, to do some consulting work for, for different startups in a bunch of different sectors. Um, you know, uh, certainly some interesting stories from that period of time in my life. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the startups that I landed at and spent more time at was, was a insurance technology startup uh, based out of Sao Paulo, Brazil. And, um, you know, it was focused on uh, building in, an insurance platform for the middle class uh, in, in Brazil, which doesn't really have access to insurance. And um, I quickly found out that it was a drastically different working environment than, um, than the banking scene. And uh, it wasn't necessarily what I had been looking for. And so as I started looking, winding down that kind of engagement, I was approached as an investor actually in this like crazy ass idea of, of throwing collars on cattle. And, um, you know, I had no experience in, in livestock. I had no experience in ag, but I did have the experience of, of the ability to really um, research different opportunities for my investment time in a, in a way to understand like the financial viability of any sort of solution. And, and I think that that's, probably some of the different lens that, that, that we come at to, to our solution is that like I started it by looking at what would work based on hundreds of income statements and cash flow statements and balance sheets of ranchers on a global basis. And, and so like we've almost been, you know, we've been pretty religious about saying, look, it's gotta be below this cost point because otherwise, like the dog just never is going to hunt. And, right. and, um, and then once we understood kind of what that tolerance was and, and look, our goal will always be, can we reduce that a little bit? What happens if we shift this to here or there? But we think we're in the ballpark of it right now. And, and, and then it's like, okay, what can we build for that? What kind of solution can we, can, can we actually provide to, to customers that cost that? Um, and that's been a six-year journey, uh, candidly. And we're, we're, we're finally at our first commercial product. And you know, I'll, I'll stop talking here. But uh, you know, that's the background. That's that's how we got here. I think too, when you think about like, when's the last time anyone has really created new technology for fencing? What forties, fifties? Polywire geared reels. Yeah, which was invented when. But I guess that's just another variation on electric fencing, which is. I don't, I don't know. I actually honestly don't know when electric fencing was invented. But I, think I, I, I think I looked up electric fencing. It was, I think electric fencing was first built in the, in the, in like 46 or something like that. Like it was the first time they tried it. And yeah, they obviously poly reels are a completely different variation of that. Um, you know, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a horse by a different color. You know, and before that, it was barbed wire was the previous right. major fencing innovation. Yeah. Tamed the West, right? 
Well, I don't. We can debate the taming and whether oh. the taming was necessary or not. That's 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 the tagline. <laughs> I, I apologize. Uh, you know, I, I, I this is a podcast, so you couldn't see my fingers. Tamed to the West was was in, in, in little quotes. Okay. Uh, so it's it's interesting that you have the background in finance, and you you know, I appreciate the perspective that you're approaching this from. You know, it has to make sense from a cost basis for the producer before you can even figure out what technology you want to deploy. And as a producer, I really appreciate that. But I'm I'm curious as to how a guy from the banking and finance and investment industry got sucked into building electronic geolocate geofencing collars for cows. Uh you know I mean, I mean, still grows a lot of beef, right? Is that right? <laughs> I mean I think it like you, you sh- think about it, it, it like first of all like how interesting is it like for me it, it, it's like wh- what kind of problem do you want to be working on who do you want to be working on it for and how big is the opportunity all right if, if, if you if you take those like you know, that's your life right the majority of the time you spend your, that I spend in my life is working <laughs> uh, I, and and probably much to the pleasure of my wife candidly um, <laughs> <laughs> um but uh you know so first of all, it's, it's like, who are you doing the work with, right? Yeah. And so, so, so leave one, one of the, the, the like, and I, I say this to investors candidly as well. One of the, the, the like most pleasant things that I have encountered has been working with our customer base. Uh, you know, it, it's, I lived in customers' homes for about three months, you know, two and a half years ago in different ranches across Australia and in the U.S., and like in no other industry, do you have a product that you're trying to develop for somebody where your customer is literally hosting you, breaking bread with you and helping you develop the product because their work is so entwined with their life that, that, that there's no separation between those two things. So when you come to the table, you're a friend and you're a partner and, and, and a vendor to them. Those things are not separate to them either. And so like that, that opportunity space doesn't exist in, in other places, and, you know, from, from actually, um, from, from my seat at the table in terms of what customer bases to work in and who I want to do work for. Um, so that like, that's an easy suck in candidly, Brian, like, you know, um, I think, you know, and I'm preaching to you because you're like, hey, you're talking about me. Yeah, <laughs> um, <no. laughs> I'm a good guy. Like, <laughs> well, honestly, you know, if if there's something in our industry or in, an, in any industry, really, you know, where you have a producer or a manufacturer of a product that. I guess let me back up when you have somebody that comes in and says, hey, let me help you figure out how to do this better, cheaper, make more money with less manpower. I want to listen because, you know, manpower is my number one issue, but it's got to be cost appropriate for the production scale. And to be able to work, you know, as a business owner, to be able to work directly with a a company, a manufacturer or, or a company like yours, that all they're trying to do is help and develop better products for me to use. That's a very rewarding experience. Yeah, I, I think I think it's rewarding on both. Like, look, we we're also pretty clear. Like, we're a for-profit company. Like, we're not running a charity. But like, the only way that our business makes money is if you make more money, if it justifies the cost of my product. 
And so, you know, I don't think that needs to be as transactional as it, as it is in many other industries. And, and like with, with the customer base in, that, that I've encountered or that we've encountered to date, you know, it's not transactional. It's, it's like, hey, look, we understand you're, you're trying to run a business. So are we. So make my business better and I'd be glad to pay you for it. And, and you know, most producers are, are, are fine with that. Yeah, they may give us a hard time about, you know, wanting to reduce costs and, you know, want it to be cheaper. I think that's, you know, that's across, that's across the board. If, but, you, <laughs> if you don't want the stuff you buy to be cheaper, you're probably not breathing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that, you know, and then last thing is the size of the market, right? There's, there's a billion head of cattle on the, on the planet. Like, so if, if I can, if I could sell a device to, to every head of cattle out there, you know, I'd, I'd be a pretty happy man. <laughs> and then, yeah, there's continuing turnover. Um, yeah. Okay. So tell us about, so tell us about these callers. What, what all can they do? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we, we sometimes get caught in this like um, dreamy space about what can, what can't, what could they do versus what can they do? Um, and, and so we like to be pretty transparent about what they can do today and about what, what we think they can do in the future. Um, okay. Right. So the, the device today is, is a control mechanism. It, it enables ranchers to be able to identify exactly where their animals are. And then it transmits down to those animals, a schedule uh, for lack of a better uh, way to describe it, where you can say, I want to turn on fence in pasture, you know, the left fence in pasture one at 6 a.m. on, you know, April 15th. And I want to turn off that fence line on April 30th. And I want the fence line in the top of pasture one to move down to the bottom of pasture two at XYZ time. You have the ability to make fences active movement zones where, where it's no longer a static asset you're able to take that and make it dynamic and you can do that across your, your entire pasture, your, your entire property. Um, now that means you can keep animals in an area, you can keep animals out of an area and you always have the ability to identify where, where your animals are. Um, okay. And then, so that, that's, that's what the product does right now at the, at the visualization layer, what the customer is able to do with that is they're able to say, where was pressure on my land? So create a heat map that shows, okay, the last two weeks, we had 500 head in this 200 acres, but they really only were putting pressure over here on this area, like create visualized uh, pressure maps so that you know where your feed and forage exists over your landscape. Um, and then at the end of your year, you're able to say, look, like, you know, we actually didn't put pressure here. We've actually got a little bit of a feed bank over here, or we can graze this in this different way. Um, you know, it's a, it's a tool to show what pressure looks like across your, across your landscape. Um, and then you can really start to take your imagination and let it run wild on what you can do with that right? It's, you know, we've got an accelerometer in that device, you know, in the dairy space, accelerometers have been used for years to detect estrus, 
yeah. and health issues. So are you going to start being able to in field detect what animals are cycling? Or at the very least be able to tell if they're, if they're eating, walking, drinking, or yeah. resting. Health, calving, what bull was on what cow, you yeah. know, all, all of these things are, you know, starting to add precision to, you know, what right now is a little bit left to, you know, your assumption based on just due to a lack of data. So if you yeah. start having that traceable data, you start being able to draw these correlations between things. I, a heat map of where my cattle have been grazing in the pasture would be like almost a dream come true. You know, if I could have a heat map of where my cattle have been grazing in the pasture and say, okay, they've used that enough and then just draw a line and have that set to, to start excluding them from that area. And then, you know, move the other yeah. end of the pasture a little ways down the canyon so they have some more grass. Like, that's amazing. It's also, Brian, it reminds me of uh, Bob Kinford and like true migratory grazing because you're not, you're not restricted by physical fence line as a, as to plan around your grazing season. Right. Right. And so, you know, my, my brain is spinning, like, you know, and I, again, I have so many questions, like, so it's a sound cue. Okay. And I think a lot of folks will, will back me up on this. Okay. When I want to go out and I check and when I want to go out and I just want to look at my cows, I'll take my gator out and I can just go drive through them slowly and they barely react to me being there. When I want to move my cows, I also do that with my gator, but you know, I drive in different ways, you know, like to and from the gates and approach the herd in a different way to get them up and get them moving. But when I come in with the feed truck, they hear me like a quarter mile off. They hear me, they come running and they'll be waiting at the gate for me patiently like the good girls they are. So the question is, like, there's no doubt in my mind that training a cow with, the, with an auto, audio signal on a collar works. There's no doubt that works. I just had, I just would have to see it. So like when they approach the barrier, it's just a beep, 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 beep that gets louder or how does that work? Yeah. I mean, so let me, let me kind of take your question and answer it in two different fashions. Um, take as long as you need. <laughs> uh, one is I'm going to describe where the product is today. Okay. And I'm going to explain to you a little bit of like how we arrived there. And then two, I'm going to extrapolate a little bit on what you said and, um, and where we think the product could go. Um, and, and so it's just Pavlovian training, like is what we're all describing, right? You Pavlov trained his dog that if you ring a bell, do they salivate? And um, next thing you know, you take away the food and the dog's still salivating when it's ringing the bell. Okay. Um, so you know, what we're doing is, is we have basically a sound zone that once an animal enters a zone, it starts to hear a sound. And if that animal goes through that zone into another zone and it doesn't, isn't turned away or repelled from that zone, that sound is backed up via stimulus. So you're, you, you kind of have, if you can envision the world, it is a you know, gray area and a red area. And in the gray area, when the animal's there, the animal's hearing sound, that animal, if it goes into the, the red area, 
it's hearing sound and stimuli. So it's, it's continuing to marry those two things together. Um, that's where the product is today. Uh, the product has been built, we've been building for a couple of years to get product into market as fast as possible so that we can learn. Um, and you know, we, we go to every producer that we talk to and customer and, and tell them, look, like, think about the original iPod when it came out. If you can remember that, that thing, it was like a little block. It held like a hundred songs in it. And like, it was great. Everybody like this thing is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Compared to, you know, cassette tapes, they were pretty cool. <laughs> pretty, pretty freaking cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yet now like sound is such a byproduct of your phone. Like it's not even, it's not even on your list of why you buy your smartphone. It's just, it's just one of the many features that that thing provides you because it's so integral to how you operate your day-to-day -day, uh, life. Okay. The, see where you're going. So like the product itself is at its iPod stage. And like over time, we know exactly what you're saying to be true. The single most predictable way to create any sort of animal behavior is actually via positive reinforcement, not negative reinforcement, right? And, that, and, and that's just like natural biology. Like you think about it, if the, if the antelope always went to the right side when the lion came at it, well, all the lions would just go to the right and they just kill all the antelopes, right? So, right. you know, the, the aversive behavior has to be somewhat unpredictable. It has to go left, right, back, all over these different things. Well, guess what? It's somewhat unpredictable right now, you know, if, if an animal is reacting to a sound that, that that it may they need a zone to help correct them to get out of it eventually you should be able to create a system that is saying hey this is negative and this is positive go to positive but that takes a lot of time a lot of animal behavioral analysis and understanding and so we are on our path to head there in a scenario where, where you're able to have a much more precision version of what we already have, which is infinitely more precise than what exists in the market today. But I think in the future, you're talking about a product that is not just having a negative zone, but has a positive zone. It says, hey, you know, better feed is over here. You know, go over here and you receive X. Okay. You, uh, just to back up a little bit, uh, a few moments ago, you mentioned after the audio signal, then it applies a stimulation. So what, what kind of stimulation are we talking about? Yeah. I mean, the, the best an analog is going to be a hot shot, but it's a, it's a, it's a lesser version of a hot shot. So, um, and I, I get that. And I knew that's what, what it was. And I, I figured you didn't really want to say that because there might be, you know, some animal rights activist that gets upset, but I mean, an incredibly mild shock is a very, yeah. very useful training tool. I mean, look, look, we, we, we do a lot of research on, on the, the animal welfare side of things. So we want to be like crystal clear. We're not, we're not cavalier at all about, you know, delivering any sort of stimulus to animals. Um, you know, the way, and, and I'll, I'll explain this to most people who, who on this, who are listening to this podcast, the, you know, the, the way in which a, um, you know, electric fence works right now is that, you know, that, that stimulus goes through your whole body, through the animal's body and, and into the ground. Right. Right. So you, so you feel that shock in your bones when you, when you bump into, 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 into a hot wire um, and, and, and it'll put you on your backside pretty quick. 
um, you know, versus a hot shot is a is a you know point to point stimulus between those two prods. Um, a existing electric fence depends on what you're managing, but you may be between three thousand and eight thousand volts that that are running through through that through that wire. Yeah, yeah. I run mine a little bit hotter than I, that. I, I, you know, I, I was I was being conservative. You know, you I don't want anybody coming after you either, Brian. Hey, hot fences keep cows in. Like hot, the hotter you can keep it, and the faster that charger clicks, the more they're, the less they're going to want to mess with it and, and try to be on the other side. So, other side. So they go into this gray zone. Yeah, they start getting the beeps, and then they hit the red zone. And the collar gives them a mild shock. What happens if it just takes off and keeps going? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, let me wrap up my last point just in terms of voltage there, just because I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be nitpicking on you here, Brian. Um, so, a, we we, we run uh, a, a a typical, as I said, you know, hot wire will run three to eight, three to ten, whatever you want, whatever you number you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're a sub a thousand volt uh you know stimuli that is point to point so you know and, and we've done actually a decent number of tests with some universities to look at um the the impact on cortisol levels uh and and, and it showed that there's absolutely no change in in terms of the stress level on on, on cattle there and, and candidly you know we've had ranchers test it you know last week and was saying it's, it's not as strong as a prod we've, we've had all members of the team my ck i don't think has been initiated in, into it but uh you know we'll, we'll we'll get her on board at some point here uh you know I'm like the taser at the police department <laughs> exactly um let's try it out <laughs> um and you know i mean it, it it's it's strong it's a punch but it, it's not something that uh you know is, is too dramatic um to answer your your follow-on question there though one of the things that we patented as a company is this idea that the fence is a one-way gate, right? So you're you're putting, you know, think about the fence and how we describe it a lot internally is it's a pressure tool. Uh, yeah. And you're simply putting pressure to keep those animals in an area. If there's an opposing pressure that is greater than the pressure that the fence has got, that cow's busting through it. That bull's busting through it. You know, th nothing's going to stop that, that animal from getting through um, in, in some cases. And yet once it gets through it suddenly goes into tracking mode so that animal's its gps is still working it's still sending a signal saying you know this is where your cow is except you know what is happening now is is that you know it's no longer receiving any sound no longer receiving any stimulus it's just being tracked and so the one way gate theory is that the opposing pressure on that cow is now to come back in and rejoin the herd because its natural herding behavior is to join the safety of the herd. Right. So say that cow blows through the line because its calf is over there or that bull blows through the line because it wants to go chase a cow. Bull is going to be a different example because it's, you know, it's a bit of a loner anyways, but like, you know, that the, the cow blowing through is a different one it's naturally going to come back in is recaptured. It doesn't hear any stimulus. It doesn't feel any stimulus as it comes back through that line. And then all of a sudden it's reherded and re and, and re-controlled via, via its collar. Okay. 
so would uh would the system give you an alert if you had a cow outside if you had animals outside your boundaries or if you had animals outside where they were supposed to be we've got that up you can set up alerts it's it's been something that um people think that they want more than they do brian (laughs) i no i'm i'm honestly thinking about it because i've got about six miles of highway that cut through the ranch yeah (laughs) and that's a lot of fence to worry about and you know it'd be really nice to know immediately when i have a cow get out on the highway versus waiting for a neighbor to call or the sheriff to call in the middle of the night yeah so so you can and you can initiate alerts for a lot of things um and the reality that we find for most people who don't have highways running through the ranch, um, you know, it, it, it is, is that that natural herding behavior in, uh, in, uh, of that animal is going to take that alert and make it irrelevant by the time you get around to looking at it. Okay. It, it, it blows through a fence line and can come back and rejoin the rest of the herd by the time, by the time you've gotten around to looking at it. Um, and so your case may be, may be different and everybody's case may be different. Again, it's simply a, it's a data stream to the ability to take that data stream and translate it into an actionable, you know, insight for you is, is something that we're building our platform on. And, and, you know, we, we continue to look at what are the, what are the best ways we could do that? You know, the cows on highway call, it doesn't matter where it comes from. It is an immediate and rapid response, no matter what you're doing. Like that, that's one of the few things that will get me to drop whatever I'm doing and, and go at warp speed in, a, in one direction is cows on the highway, even if they're not mine. Like there's been several, several times, I'm not going to give any kind of percentages here, but there's been several times where there's been cows on the highway called, you know, all jump back in my clothes or drop whatever I'm doing, jump in the truck, drive out to the ranch. And it's a neighbor's cow two miles down the road, or it's, you know, somebody else's cow that's come from four miles down the road. And she's just got her bags packed and headed to Fort Worth. It's been that a couple of times, but there's been a couple of times where it's also been mine. And it would really be, it would really be nice to know the difference before I go screaming out of here at 90 miles an hour. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, so one, we would take caution in selling the product to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, just because if you think about it from my perspective, like I know that we're creating a pressure tool and that that pressure tool is not infallible, right? It's, it's not a sixth wire fence or a steel gate that is guaranteed to keep cattle out of one area. It is a pressure tool. And if there's an opposing pressure, cows will push and and push through it. And so my you my concern would immediately be okay, am I going to wake up one day and find out that there was an accident at Brian's ranch because some family hit a calf that blew through because of our system. And um no, because I'll still have to maintain it maintain a five wire fence around the place. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to tear out the fence system. Well, okay. Let's not say never. Um, <laughs> I don't have any current plans to even entertain the notion of tearing out the fences down the highway and applying for an open range permit that, that that's not, not part of my plan. 
Yeah, I mean, so 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 again, that would that, this would just be our discussion because I I would say okay, cool, like how maintained is that? I, because I mean, we don't want to do any harm, right? That, that, right. Like our, our, and, and we we understand that our that our tool is not infallible, right? It it is a pressure tool, and and you know it, it, cows can't blow through it, so that, that it is feasible. You know, I I've explained things several times to other folks about pressure by using like the term units of pressure like that fence can represent a hundred units of pressure and that cow could have 90 units of stress and you walk into that pen with 15 units of stress she's going to want to go through that fence especially if you're standing in the middle of that gate but you move out of that gate that 90 stress cow that's surrounded by a hundred stress fence sees that hole that's where she's going to go and you know, similarly, I, I was having a conversation with uh, with somebody very recently about their Corianes want to jump, the, they would just jump the hot wire and leave. Like, okay, well, let's talk about this for a second. How hot's your fence? We discussed the fence for a minute. We discussed the charger, how fast it would it would fire. Like, okay, what are they going to eat? Oh, well, they're only they're, they just run over there by that pile of irrigation pipe and they eat the kosher. Well, there you go. Like, go get some of the kosher, send it off for testing, see what it's really rich in, and then adjust your supplement program. You know, they're they're going over there because they want that. They need that. And that's, you know, that represents another kind of pressure. Like, that's a nutritional pressure that they really want. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, like, you're, you're speaking my language here because, I, I you know, our, our view over time as we understand more on an animal level, like what their reaction is to, to the pressure, right. To, to the pressure that we can deliver, right. Think about us as, 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 as being a sensor company and we're, we're simply able to deliver a certain level of average pressure and determine an animal reaction to it. Um, yeah, we will never be able to fully understand the three-dimensional pressures that exist on that animal in its landscape. Uh, and it's like an, it's like an interesting uh, point that, that, that like sometimes comes up as a point of contention where people are like, look, you guys are trying to take away the Cowboys. You're quite the opposite. <laughs> like there, there is never going to be a way that we as a technology company fully understand exactly what you just described, that there's a pressure over by an irrigation pipe that is drawing those animals. We can't see that. Like we don't, we don't have the ability to get on the, on the ground and identify what that opposing pressure is and understand the solution. So all I can do is tell you, hey, we're not able to keep these animals in with this level of pressure anymore. Something, some, something else over there is, is pushing the other way. And, and moreover, you know, we should be a tool that translates the job whether it's looking to see what the opposing pressure is or whether it's looking to see, oh, what the intervention may be that you can target for a specific animal is, is having more value to the ranch and the rancher. If, if I'm able to say to you, look, 20% of your, your cows are empty in July and this bull is over here sitting under the water the whole time, you know, or this bull has been on them and they've been cycling, you you've got an idea of how to intervene 
or Rather something like this bull has been on top of 75 cows in the last three days. And these other two idiots have been in the far corner of the pasture looking over the fence, doing nothing. Like you suddenly have the ability. We're not going to be able to take that data and remotely fully understand that. That's something that the cowboy and the rancher is always going to be need to be the boots on the ground that is taking an intervention, taking that data and turning it into value. We're simply a tool that, again, is sensing and putting pressure on animals to keep them in certain areas. And utilization of that tool is, I think, what our goal is to create more value to, you know, to producers. Okay. So let's go back to the, like, let's talk about some of the hardware itself. We're talking about a collar that, we're talking about a collar, not just an ear tag. So you got to capture the animal, squeeze, shoot, head catch. And put the collar on how hard is how hard is it and, and like how durable is it i guess is what i want to know yeah you're you're asking about durability for my guess for two reasons <laughs> or three or you know, a couple of different reasons one how often do i have to bring them in to maintain collars that's the yeah. question yes and so so one you don't own the collars we're you know as part of our service we're providing you with the collars so if a collar breaks, it's on us. Okay. That's ours, you know, and, and so, and if a collar upgrade, you know, two years from now when we have a new collar, you know, that's on us too, to get, you know, those, those new collars. So that's like, you just, you just send me the new ones and I send you the old ones. Precisely. Okay. Because our view is that most people understand there's going to be improvements in the hardware. There's going to be improvements in, in the system. And, and so um, we, we want to make sure that we alleviate concern as it relates to that from, from a rancher perspective. Um you know, so that they're not saying, oh, I'm going to go buy this piece of equipment and it's going to go bad in two years. And, you know, then I'm going to be sitting here with this old piece of junk. Um, you know, in, in terms of putting it on animals, like we've got a variety of, of, of examples of, of, of different speeds. As you can imagine, different people have different animal handling skills. But uh, you, you put animals in a chute and you, you put the device on, it's going to take you 30 seconds to a minute. Okay. Um, the battery on that device is going to last you uh, a range of time, depending on how you're managing your cattle. And the reason for that is the number one use of battery is uh, GPS. Okay. So think about an animal in the middle of a thousand acre pasture. It's collar wakes up and says, where do I exist on the planet? And where's the nearest fence line? And it goes, oh, nearest fence line is half a mile over there. Go to sleep for 20 minutes because this animal, you know, this, this cow. No way we can get there. Get there. No, no way we can get there fast enough. If it wakes up and it goes, oh, I'm in a five acre pasture. It goes, oh, go to sleep for five seconds. And then wake up and see, see where we are. Because we're pretty close to that fence line. Okay. So you're using GPS a lot more frequently and you're burning that battery in the smaller pasture than you are in the big pasture. And so in the smaller pasture, you are looking at a six to nine month battery life. In a larger pasture, you're, you're a year plus. Some areas in Northern Australia, we're talking two years. Um, just depends on how close those animals are going to be to a fence line at any given point in time. So that's, then that's kind of a, that's a stock density function, really. 
is is animals 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 in an area over time so do you have an idea of what that looks like i think so when you say it's a stock density thing uh i think it's it's a it's a land productivity thing in some sense right where they're related the number yeah, they're, they're, they're they're kissing cousins right yeah. um uh, so um you know it it, it really is going to depend on your landscape of, of what that number looks like again like we use that range of like hey it's six to nine months if you're on the lower end here that you need to bring those animals in and swap out a battery and you know on the upper end it's going to look like this and then we've got a sensor that's basically saying hey brian two months from now your batteries are going to run out okay hey brian a month from now your batteries are going to run out hey brian you're a week out we're just going into tracking mode for an animal safety reasons and your battery is going to run out in a week um, and so you'll get that type of alert so that you know when that when that needs to happen and hopefully with enough precipitate you know uh, enough lead time that you know we're not throwing a complete wrench in your operation you know for for you to be able to work those animal th those cattle yeah and you know the i guess for me what it would come down to is you know is it like a regular predictable interval because you know you have to come past your corrals and you know do things once or twice a year just about always so you know if you're doing that already that's just a good time to to do that collar maintenance yeah i think like that's that's how we've we've that's why we targeted really the lower end being that six month period is that like between calving branding and you know winter feed times and zone like you, there's not really going to be more than a six month period that we see most people not running those animals at least by a corral uh you know between call it march and october uh you know rough order of magnitude yeah mine will probably make two trips in that time <laughs> yeah so yeah so and then you, you get to decide you know we, we take a look at where things are in the battery and we say okay cool like you you don't need it right now is it an expensive battery or can I just run down to the store and buy like a bucket full of double A's? <laughs> we first started out with double A's. Um, and what we, um, you know, this has been, been the learning curve of, of the company. Um, you know, cattle exist in some of the most environmentally challenging spots on the planet. Um, and so we will in the same day have uh, cows in Northern Montana that are, you know, sitting at five below and we'll have cows that are sitting at 110 in Australia. Um, and so we had to actually design a battery and, and choose a battery based on like something that was almost uh, military grade to be able to work and provide a consistent charge throughout those elements. Um, you know, everybody in everybody in kind of the Northern Plains area knows what it's like, you know, when, when, when it's, uh, it's been really cold and they go try and start their car if they haven't had a, you know, trickle charger on it or, um, you know, something, something to keep that battery warm. Um, and so we basically use a specific battery that, uh, that enables us to operate across those, um, those ranges. That battery ends up costing about 10 bucks. I guess that's not too bad. 
and that you know that's a consumable that the the end user has to bear the cost of then correct yeah okay interesting so i i'm still trying to circle back and and get an answer like if i wanted to make a lane like a strip down through a pasture to move them from one area to another is that something that can be done yeah, I mean, I think it would be the only question for us is is how big is the lane that you're wanting to, you're wanting to, to 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 manage? Like, think about most people are um, most people are deceived by how precise they think GPS is. Um, it, it's because your phones triangulate your GPS right now, um, and, and also. You know, they hear about John Deere's tractors operating down to you know ten, you know half of half an inch of, of specificity um, in terms of being able to run GPS. That's, yeah, that's a what, really really sensitive antenna that you really can't stuff inside of a collar that'll fit on a cap. Yeah, it's it, it's like it's it's about you know that has that has actually two other systems that are on farm that are creating a triangulation to get that level of, of predictability and the amount of battery that that pulls. Um, and the GPS antenna, you know, all of those three, the solution combined is something which would blow out the margins on, on any product that we could offer. Right. And, and, and so will we get better? Will GPS antennas get better? Will all these things get better over time? Yes. But we use the best GPS out there that exists right now and antenna wise and, and, and product wise, and it still has the ability to be, you know, 10, 15 feet off of where that, where that, that cow is. And, and so when you talk about running animals down a lane, you've got to think about, you know, 500 foot wide lane, you know, a mile long. Exactly. That's fine. Right. If you're talking about a lane being something that's 20 feet wide, well, that's different. That's, that's, that's a different, that's a different animal. Uh, you know, and, um, you're, you're getting into this zone where GPS specificity is, it's going to be really challenging. I think if you, if you want to use a lane, that's a tighter area, if you've got an existing physical fence, yeah, you can run a virtual fence somewhat close to it. And then you're not dealing with two variable sides. You're dealing with one really hard side and one side that's, that's, that's virtual. I see. I see. I'm, I'm wondering how, I'm wondering how they would be in like a high density strip grazing type scenario. So imagine we have, we have a long skinny paddock, okay. With water at one end and we want to start at the water and go towards the other end. So, you know, every few hours that, you know, that GPS barrier could move, you know, South or could it just maybe drift South so many feet every hour or And yeah, you would you would basically create a time lapsed fence move, where the fence basically drops over a period of time that you prescribe ahead of time, where you say, "Look, I want this these animal the this this fence line to to move from here to here over this seven hours," and, and it would slowly you know, the the fence line would just drop over time and move in, in one direction. Yeah. Okay, so now let's get down to it. So you said that I don't have to buy them. So are we talking like, are we talking a lease type model or are we talking a subscription type model? Subscription. 
Okay. So the, sell me on that. Sell you on that? I think it sells itself. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that the, uh, you know, our, our view has been like, you don't want to buy a piece of hardware that you know is, is, is going to be outdated in two years. And so we're going to come to you and say, what do you think you could do with infinite fencing? If fencing, yeah, if fencing and, and, and additional labor weren't a cost to you, what would you run? I mean, in a lot of cases with creative management, you could probably double, double your stocking rate with better management. So you got to add in water costs and like, you know, all this other fun stuff. So you start to get, you know, if, if we're really starting to, to take the pencil to the paper, we, we, you know, we'd play with all those variables as well, but let's just simply say you add 20% like to your average guy, who's going to believe that. Like, I think, I think you, you've got the ability mentally to go through a lot more creative scenarios than, than most, than what most <laughs> ranchers are wanting to do. Uh, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, and so you start at 20, a 20% 20 increase. Let's say you got 500 head out there. You, you increase your, your carrying capacity by 20%. Okay. 100 head. So now you're so head. ranch. Okay. So you got 600 there. And the cost of, of doing that. So we're, we're charging 35 bucks a year um, for, for, for the service. And, and so, you know, you're at basically 20 K in fencing. So you've added a hundred head and the cost to do that is, you know, is 20 K plus your cost of those animals, plus your, plus your, but you also have your, your animals that you're running, you're running now the rest of your herd via the system as well. It's not just the hundred that you're right. gaining. You're also gaining precision control of the rest. And then the, the other one, which we, that, you know, I'd say ties to that is, you know, what's the nutritional gain? Uh, what's, what's the, re is there a reduction on feed costs at the back half of the year? Now that you know exactly where you've managed and you have, do you have feed banks on your property? Um, you know, that's tied to the additional carrying capacity as well. So, you know, I don't want to double count, but I think that there's. And again, there's, that yeah. a lot of that also has to go back to management because it's one thing just to know where they're at. It's another to be able to move them, but to be able to actually measure some of these things is a little bit more difficult. And I, I think it's probably worth saying that you're not looking for the guy that's got, you know, these big, huge pastures. That's not really, no, let me, let me back up. <laughs> let me back up. I mean, I guess you're, you're kind of applicable to about everybody from guys like me who, you know, I'm already fairly well subdivided. I can see a use case for this and say somebody that's got some deeded land in the mountains and a mountain lease. Yeah. I think like our, it's a tool, right. And, um, and so that tool has, has broad applicability. If you view it as simply a tool and, 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 and ask what somebody wants to do with it. Uh, right. And, and so in your scenario, we may be getting down into really high detail of precision and you're trying some some kind of new and different and and more challenging scenarios in a you know 
forest service lease that somebody is, is, is looking to manage. It may be keeping animals out of a burn area to keep, to, to keep your, um, to keep your agents and, and to keep you being able to, to graze agents happy and keep you able to be grazing that, that lease after, after a burn, uh, for example, or, you know, in the 1500 acre pasture side, maybe it's somebody wants to be a little bit more progressive and, and wants to subdivide. They just don't, they don't have the labor and the management to, to do it at this, at this point in time. I think like, it's a tool that allows for adaptability and for really more precision management of your herd without the need for additional labor or infrastructure. Okay. So other one, like one detail comes to mind right now. Like, so what happens if collar falls off a cow? I mean, obviously it's got a GPS in it, so you can just go find it. But what happens if, uh, what happens if a collar gets lost and it just can't be found? How much, like we have to pay the replacement cost. Somebody's going to ask, but, but you don't own that. I do. Okay. So this, 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 this kind of is part of why selling you on the, on the kind of service level is this, is, is like for me, a more elegant version, uh, you know, where, where you go, Oh wait. So if I lose it, if a collar gets lost, that just gets deducted from my cost this year. Right. It's not on me. It's not on you at all. It's, it's on vents as a company to make sure that you put on those collars right and and that you know they're all working but if one comes off that's on us that's our issue okay. now from a from a product efficacy level there's a question there right on your end like look this this collar's off now this now this cow may be in the middle of the road and I don't know it what we believe and what we've seen is that even with you know a certain percentage of, of collars off cattle or collars actually not actively managing cattle, the herd level efficacy and the herd level management still exists because you, you have this dynamic where that's the positive pressure towards those animals. It's sucking those other animals back into the, to the herd, even though they're not actively being managed. Right. And once they, once you get them in a herd and they establish kind of their, their dominance order, they like to stay there. I yeah. mean, they, it's safety. Yeah, for sure. Right. Especially during calving season. Yeah. So what other, what other infrastructure do you have to install on the ranch besides just putting these collars on? Cause it can't be that easy just to, just, just to buckle the collar around their neck. Like that's the that's the end state, right? Like that's 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 the elegant solution. Eventually, is like being able to just drop shit, you ship you a collar, and like slap it on, and you don't have to do anything else. Like right now, uh, well, ideally, it'd be an ear tag, something even simpler and smaller. I know you and everybody else wants an ear tag. <laughs> <laughs> ears ears are a lot easier to get a hold of and tag than than get a hold of one of these you know things with two foot of spear on either side of her head and get a collar around her neck. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> um, the we, we also install these what are what we call base stations. So it's a communications tower. Um, it's about it looks it literally looks like a metal duck blind. Um, it, you know, it's about five feet tall, four or five feet wide, two or three feet deep, and um, has a small antenna that runs up the side of it. Uh, and 
we installed, depending on the size of the ranch, one, two, three of them. Um, and they will cover potentially, you know, tens of thousands of acres piece. Um, just depends on what the topology of the ranch looks like. And right. um, those provide, you know, if you think about us thinking about this as a solution for it's got to be cost justified for, for our customer to begin with, it's, it's like, hey, instead of having to pay for communications to each of those collars every year, we're going to take a lump sum and put it into this one aggregation center. And, and that's, they're going to pay that. And then every year going forward, they're not paying for, you know, kind of connectivity charges for, for each of those collars. Cause they don't need as much. They don't need a lot of bandwidth. These collars don't need 4g. Cause you're basically, you're just sending up, you know, a heartbeat, you know, here I am, here I am, here I am. Like our teams, I would say bread and butter strength has been building low power wide area communications networks. And if you think about like what this is, it's really an application that sits on a communications network. Yes. The application is animal management, but really the backbone of that is communications. And so we have built a system that works really well and really cost effectively in these pretty challenging communications environments, Uh, you know, whether it's Rocky Mountains, whether it's, you know, areas that have no significant levels of connectivity, we can create a network over a farm pretty inexpensively. Okay. So how did, how do your communication nodes, your, your relays, how do they connect to the world? So that, that base station uh, either has cellular or you can use satellite, you know, 99% of the people that, that we work with use cellular. Uh, and everybody goes, oh, well, I live in this area. It's really tough to get cellular. There's almost none. Most of the time, if you can send a text from some hillside on your property, we can set up a, a tower there and it'll work. Because you just, you don't need near the bandwidth that Facebook or YouTube needs. It's just super bandwidth efficient is how we've built the network because our belief is despite, you know, all this talk about rural brand, you know, broadband and, uh, you know, and all this different stuff that there's not going to be 4G blasted across the entire United States. Yeah, because, much less 5G. Yeah, because AT&T is not going to pay for it because there's not enough customers to link into it is, is the real answer. We, I have pretty good 4G coverage here and, and on the ranch, unless I'm down to some of those, you know, deep bottom canyons and then, well, Good luck even getting out of there with the you know, text message sometimes. Gator. <laughs> so what what are some of the future plans and like features that you guys are looking at implementing? I mean, I think the biggest like so we made an announcement a couple of weeks back uh, that we we took on an investment from from Shell Energy Ventures and. Um, and from Merck Animal Health Ventures. So I think it's probably worth, worth kind of noting where, you know, how we see those feathering into the product. I think, you know, Merck Animal Health is probably a little bit more intuitive in the sense that they, they own Allflex, right? And, right. Uh, and that they had have uh, via the acquisition of Allflex, they have a product called SCR, which is on millions of head of, of, of dairy cattle globally. 
um, and is basically one of the single largest you know, data platforms that is tracking health, fertility uh, of dairy cattle. And so, you know, we see there being this lot of, uh, of interest from our side, um, you know, particularly to understand how they built out that technology and, and, and kind of whether or not we can start to integrate some of their learnings into having a system that has that same level of capability out on pasture. You know, as we were talking about earlier, the ability to look at health metrics. Uh, you've got, you know, you 466 is walk 20% less day over day for the last three days in a row. Uh, you know, something's, something's wrong with- or the, or the health monitoring algorithm detected a problem with her walking. Correct. And, and so starting to be having like precision animal level information in pasture. Now, the follow-up from that is how much can you actually intervene in certain pasture scenarios? Um, but if you start tracking it and you start getting these notifications across your herd, or if you're driving out there, you certainly are going to take a look and say, oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it. You certainly, you start to have like a data source that is giving you things to look at over your herd to track the health in a more I would say specific fashion. From the from the shell side of things, uh, I think it's a little bit further, more further afield. But it, it's everybody's heard discussions about carbon and you know selling carbon from from farms. Um, you know, if you think about shell, they are obviously somebody who needs to have a significant uh, you know amount of offsets, that, and they're looking at different solutions for those. And you know with Pasture lands being, you know, 39% of, you know, global arable lands, um, you know, the ability to increase the carbon sinking of those lands is something that is a pretty interesting proposition for, for a company of that size. And so one of the things that they're looking at is saying, well, okay, why is it that there aren't more, you know, grazing projects that are, you know, carbon grazing projects. And one is that it's hard, right? It requires additional labor, requires the ability for people to be tracking the data and, and you know, taking it down with, with a level of precision. Uh, and, and then there's also the project development side of, of like, you know, actually creating an, an offset and, and registering it. And it's hard it's to prove. Yeah. There's nothing that says it's going to work and it's going to take a while to get results. And that's why... That's why all the big money's run away from it. And, and so like, you know, their view is that one of the things that's interesting about our product is, well, A, we have an enabling technology. So it takes away the uh, challenge on the rancher level of actually implementing a change in practice, which is a requirement, right? You know, additionality is a requirement for, for any sort of carbon credit. You have to have a change in practice. Um, you know, to, to claim any sort of credit. Otherwise, you're just doing the same thing, nothing's changed, and there's no kind of new additional uh, generation occurring. Um, so A, we, we create a level of additionality, additionality for, for a carbon project. B, um, you know, that enablement is also providing tracking of that action. So you, know, you are moving your animals and that data is being logged 
about where you're moving them and the frequency that you're moving them. So suddenly you have two of the key kind of things that are needed to enable a carbon project. Um, you know, the only things that you need to layer onto that are, you know, some level of soil testing and, you know, to say, where do we start? Where do we end? Um, and who's going to buy it? And so they represent uh, a really interesting partner for us in that they have a lot of understanding of different methodologies for measurement and testing, and they're working on constantly a, a variety of, of kind of improvements to what is out there right now. Um, and, and then they also represent a huge offtake partner. So when we think about a future state of the world, future state of the product, uh, I certainly hope that we're able to go to a rancher and say, look, if you adopt vents, um, not only will we be able to have these natural you know, improvements uh, like we discussed where you're increasing your carrying capacity by 20% um, or reducing your feed costs, but also you know, via the data uh, that is generated via the adoption of those practices, here is a methodology that we will use and we, will sell, we can sell those, those credits direct through our platform to somebody like a shell. How far off are you from your carbon marketplace on your platform? Um, from the, yeah, it's a tough question. <laughs> Tougher than you might imagine. Um, it, is it something that we could look for like this year or is it still down there? Yeah, the so, so I mean, I think that like, I view our carbon offering as being something that's gonna have a an evolution phase as well, where uh, we're gonna offer one version of it now and then that will continue to improve and evolve over over time. But I think we should certainly, over the course of this year, you should should expect to see us announce a couple different projects that we're running with with folks and um, and at least um, you know mapping out what the future of that business is going to look like. Okay, now now I gotta ask because in light of everything that's gone on in the world in the last two years, how are your supply chains? <laughs> you know, we got we got absolutely hammered last year um, in um, March of last year with a couple of like simple chips that um, that we were we thought we'd we'd done a pretty bang up job of, of, of getting around some of the supply chain challenges. And there were a couple of chips that just got stopped manufacturing. Um, and so over the course of the year, we had some pretty decent insight that this year was going to be a big year for us. So what we did is we went out into the marketplace and uh, started buying up supply of what, you know, not even newly manufactured chips, but like of existing chips that we could find on, kind of gray markets and black markets. Um, and, and so we pre-purchased all of our challenging components for the year before the beginning of this year. Um, and we're starting to do that for next year already um, so that we're not in this place of, you know, being in a last minute squeeze where suddenly we don't have, um, you know, access to it. With that being said, like Shanghai shut down uh for like three weeks as of last week or something you know they're, they're, um and and that's gonna have about, ripples for the next six months yeah like shanghai's biggest metals manufacturing province right so think about your 
last year it was chips in your trucks that you couldn't get. Next year, it's going to be the steel frame to the truck that you can't get access to. Um, yeah, it's it, uh, it it's like you know the the uh, these things you're you we're constantly in a state of okay where will this ripple? We feel like we've got a pretty good handle on it, and we you know candidly spent a decent amount of money trying to get out out ahead of it. Um, you know because we understand that customers are pretty tired of hearing about it. Um, you know everybody's like okay, you had a year to make excuses. Um, now, now I just want my damn collar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or there's, you know, there, it seems like every day there's something new that's in short supply or something else that you can't get a hold of at the farm store or something, another part of the grocery store that's empty or something else has jumped in price 50%. And it's, it's a very interesting time to be living in. And, um, we're, we're getting close. You said you had to go here and in just a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. We've got about 10. I'm, I'm good for another 10 here. So, okay. So let's take us home. Tell us where we can find you and why we'd want to. Oh, why you'd want to, um, you know, I, I like, look, I think that we're, we're, we're pretty clear. Like we want to create value for our customers. And, and so if somebody can't see value in what we're doing, then, then they shouldn't be looking for us. Um, if somebody thinks that they can gain value from, from their land by having a more precision way to manage their cattle um, and manage that landscape, uh, you, you can find us at www.vents.io. Um, and you know, I, I think that that's applicable to most people. You know, some people may argue with me on that, uh, but um, you know, we, we think that this is this is simply a tool and that you know, our goal is to help our customer base, you know, gain more out of their landscape. If they're not making more money out of the product, then you know, we don't have a business. So um, that's why they should come find us if they think they can make more money and, and we'd be glad to work with them and partner with them to, to, to help them make, you know, find ways that they're going to make more money and, and, and get more out of their ranch. Perfect. Any social media that, uh, that people should look out for? Uh, yeah. So I think, you know, so I, so it's not necessarily my skill set. I, I know that, 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 that you're, you're a lot better at this than I am, Brian. Uh, don't cuss uh, me out like that, Frank. <laughs> um, you know, I think we're, we're on Instagram. We've got a Facebook page. We've got LinkedIn. We're not quite TikTok savvy yet, Brian. So I, I, I know we got to get there. Um, yeah, I just know how to make people mad on TikTok. <laughs> uh you know we're, we're, we're as a, as a company we've we've probably underinvested to date in in our presence and and we're aware of that we didn't you know our, our mantra has been over you know over deliver and under promise and so you know we haven't tried too hard to get out there and 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 talk too much about what we're doing until we felt like we had a product that was robust enough to get out and really talk about we finally feel like we're in the, we're in the space to do that and so i think you should see more of us on, on all those platforms and channels over the course of the next year and um you know we you know, we're, we're we're still learning and so we um you know we're the first to say that um uh, but um you know we we feel like we got a pretty strong offering for people who are who are looking to make some changes and and find different ways to adapt their property that all sounds great frank I really appreciate you joining us today and uh, I won't keep you any longer unless you 
go pick up your your kids. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Let me know where to ship the collars, Brian. Will do. Will do, sir. <laughs> hey, CK, are you still there? Hey, Brian. Been a little quiet over there. And uh, matter of fact, kind of been uh, been a little quiet the last few episodes. So where have you been? Yeah. So surprise, I got I got a new job. And so it's been taking a lot of my time. And I've been trying to figure out how do I get back to committing more time with this podcast. And so been with Vince. I switched teams from Pasture Map to Vince and the Grassroots Carbon events. And so that's what I've been doing is learning how the heck does this company operate? <laughs> well, I don't think, uh, well, that's not even something that Frank and I got into just a little bit ago. Um, yeah. So what did, let's talk about what do you, what do you do at Vince now that you've mm-hmm. been there for a little bit, you're kind of up to speed. Yeah. Um, so I am, I'm basically, I am the person as soon as a ranch gets the hardware component on collars, collars on cattle, and they're ready to use the software. So very much almost like soft pasture map is, it's a map-based software that I teach them to operate the, the collars off of so that they can plant their grazing. So that's, I'm doing customer success or support with the ranchers. And I'm kind of building out that whole department for the company since we're so new. Um, that's really been my goal for the past, I think, few months now. Yeah. Well, I had to go back to the vault. Um, so next week, if everything goes well, the episode I'm going to run is going to be with Daniel Mushrush. And yes. I think you were under the weather when uh, when Daniel and I did that one. Yeah, 102 degree fever. So this crap that everyone has, I also got too. But yeah, Daniel, did he talk about events at all? Yes, yes. He'd only had his collars for a few days. Yes. Like, um, less than a week. So he was just kind of getting into it and, and getting excited. I'm really looking forward to, to circling back with Daniel in about six months. And- when he's got it. Me too. Because they're actually getting they're actually getting it a lot faster than some of my other ranchers which is everyone goes at their own space right pace right but he's funny he was actually shoot side shoot side sorry facetimed me and i was like why the hell is daniel Musrush facetiming me but i answered it being the curious person that i am and he's sitting there with his cow he's like tk is this tight enough I'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> i i saw he'd posted something on uh, on facebook that um that they had to go play cowboy and get cows back where they're supposed to be. And there were some cows that were wearing some collars and I really wanted to ask him what was going on with that. But uh, I imagine with everything, you know, there's a learning curve, both with the animals and with the people that operate the technology. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to hear, hear his lessons in another few months. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to, you know, maybe get in the line to get some of those myself. Yes. I'm trying to get you some collars or brain. So we're trying to get them sent to you. We'll work on that. So what else is new? Um, so living my best life in Idaho still. Um, finally finished renovating the, our little farmhouse that we have and just putting in a garden. So that's been really fun to actually have a garden. I've moved so many times that I've never been able to spend a full summer and harvest anywhere. And so I'm like, finally, I can actually have a garden. And you know what happened? fucking rock chucks ate all my cabbages that were looking beautiful like nubbed them down to to ground zero 
Yeah. Rock chuck, that's uh, some sort of ground dwelling rodent. It's a yellow bellied marmot. Yes. Yellow bellied marmot. If you would have just said that, I would have kind of known what it was. Oh, okay. Rock chucks. That's how I know them. Yep. I mean, it could have been a bird. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because I told Joel he couldn't kill any, my husband. And I was like, no, they have an ecosystem service. Like there's a reason that they're here. And I was like, no, kill the fuckers. Apparently they're here to eat your cabbage. Yes. I kind of felt the same way um, about coyotes until there was one in the yard and got four chickens in one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's we can't allow that. That's just not going to happen anymore. Yeah. So Joel went on a little hunting spree and killed quite a few. So there's still some out there. So, you know, whatever service they provide to the soil, they still are doing. There's just not 50 of them. <laughs> what else do you have planned? Um, so I'm going to be doing a coloring event in like Bozeman, Montana area later um, next week. And so um, I've just been traveling. Like last weekend I was in Coeur d'Alene, which is like eight hours north of Idaho where I'm from. Okay. And it, it's beautiful. It was green, the hills, the grasses there. I was like, this must be like the only place in the, the U.S. that's not in drought. <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have a couple other people that I know acquaintances that kind of live up in Northern Idaho. And one of them, um, she's always, she's been posting maps like of the, what is it? Idaho snowpack yeah. map. So you guys could figure out what you have, what you're going to have for, uh, water. So resources. Water. Yeah. 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 And it seemed like, uh, a couple of months ago, things looked a little bit grim and, um, then all of a sudden things started to look a lot better. Yeah. We've gotten even here in, in southern Idaho, you know, it's a very arid climate. We we probably only get 11 inches of rain and 14 inches of snow during the, the winter. The last month, I think we've gotten two or three inches of rain, which is crazy for June and end of May. Crazy. It doesn't happen usually. Hey, we've gotten, uh, we've actually gotten some moisture in the last couple of weeks. It's like quite nine, a bit. Nine inches? Is that what I heard? How many? nine uh no no No. um i i'm still i'm still looking at a potential destocking trigger um Mm -hmm. but we have another another few days yet when we're recording this when it comes out it'll just be a couple days um to make that call but uh looking at the forecast i think i think i might go ahead need to go ahead and make another trim of uh Mm -hmm. just make a slight trim for an adjustment just uh get a few more cows somewhere else to eat yeah yeah you guys did your your soil sampling right last few weeks ago uh yeah it was a, oh, a couple months ago i can't remember when i think it was, was it in april yeah it was in april was okay like maybe towards the end of april okay yeah that's cool yeah, I still haven't heard any back from hopefully we'll we'll hear back soon from about uh results from those samples send you some money Eventually, that's the goal, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So we're going to, you know, part of events is we've released an announcement as we've actually partnered with Shell Ventures. So that's the carbon side of what we might do with the callers. And then we also partnered with Merck Animal Health. And I'm really excited about the Merck deal because they're going to put in like an RFID into the callers. And okay. so I think there's going to be a lot of capabilities for wand readers at the shoot and just tracking really good health analytics as far as 
whatever we decide we, we want to try. So that's, that'd be something to be coming in a, in a future caller was more version. Yeah. Is yeah. improved health monitoring. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what we've, if we've made any decisions, but I know that Merck animal health is, is really excited about the potentials that we could do since we're, we very much still have an R and D department to, to figure out what, what they would need for that partnership. Can you tell me maybe what are any of the first yeah. things you're looking at? Well, I think one night thing is like the collar can read temperature, but it's not very accurate because it, the collar hangs off. Right. Um, and then also that has a pedometer. And so I think that's just really interesting for like estrus detection and like an animal that's maybe slowing down compared to the others is a sign of sickness. Mm -hmm. And I think even like when I was in college, we had a grow safe bunk system and that would measure every animal's bite of feed that they took. And so you would know if something's getting off feed sooner than what you would find as a visual cue when you're checking animals. So it would kind of give us these indicator warnings of, hey, this animal needs to go look that because it might be sick and you just don't see any clinical signs yet. Oh, you said a, there's a pedometer function in the car. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I'm wondering if like, if there's a way to be able to like to teach that pedometer or yeah how am i trying to say this to be able to tell if the cow's walking funny or not like, oh. like over like you should know roughly the gait of a healthy cow yes and you know if a cow has foot rot on a quarter like mm -hmm. that should that should like have a unique walking signature yep i think i think that's one of the things we have a data scientist who's going to be looking into the and then I also think figuring out when the cows are sleeping so you can conserve battery life is another thing um, until we have a rechargeable battery that's either solar powered or um, actually make it, made a joke about, you know what a linear, linear alternator is? Yes. So I think that'd be cool to have these in the collar. And um, like, you could do that with a pedometer, don't you think? Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm just I'm trying to vision how that would go on a cow where you could get exactly. enough yeah enough enough change in motion energy is required yeah yeah it's me being a nerd and so I this is totally a new concept for me is the hardware component or mechanical engineering and I'm like well this is weird like it's a new challenge of skill set that I'm learning that I never thought I would do no no here's what we do. Now that we've got collars that'll go on them, now we need to have backpacks. And when you put this backpack on the cow, and then it's got a little little wind turbine that folds up out of the backpack <laughs> to generate power for the collar. Have them run. Just give them a <laughs> until they start running. <laughs> yeah, well, the collar senses they're running. It pops the windmill out to yeah, you know, yeah. slow them down a little bit and re re recover some energy. Yeah, because that is one thing the collars do with the pedometer and with the GPS in the collar is they kind of triangulate how close they are to an active pressure zone. So how long does it take for a cow to walk from point A to B, which is the B is the pressure zone, so that the collar turns on again to read where it's at. And it's not wasting battery power when it's not exactly. near. And it's not so we're trying to balance the two until we figured out the battery um, use case. The thing I'm really excited about is being able to see a grazing heat map. Yeah, that is to, cool. You know, and I wonder how we could translate that, you know, 
to a snapshot the day before they get turned in that pasture of what you know all the forage is like in that pasture and i don't know if it'd be possible to actually quantify that other than just going out looking and saying all right there's a lot of the yellow clover over here there's a lot of this over there there's a lot of that over there and then turn them in and see what the heat map says where they're actually at versus where you think they've been all day exactly when i see when i look at customers heat maps you can see what's not being utilized very obviously you can see areas that are not being grazed any any patterns you've seen um i mean if it's a challenging terrain right they pick the they pick the easier route um so we have a lot of blm and forestry allotments that are using vents um and it, it's actually really helpful because you know you can't build on public land or private public lands yeah so you can't build it fence infrastructure and they really don't like you to cross fence right so right. Um, it's good for them to have that peace of mind so that they know, okay, they're really not disturbing these, uh, what is it called when they're young trees? They're called something, uh, juvenile trees or whatever, but saplings, saplings. Yeah. That's the word. I almost said sucklings. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but as far as like forage, I do think that we have, there's a lot of potential for growth in that area of, of actually having forage data and knowing, you know, what forages are they targeting first and leaving behind and why? Yeah. That's what I'd really like to know. Mm -hmm. it, you know, when I, the last several years since, you know, all these virtual fence technologies have been in development, not just vents it's always made a lot of sense that the use case would be mountain grazing, like public lands grazing where you can't go out and cross fence, but you want to get, but yet you still need to be able to better control your livestock. You know, I know Glenn Elzinga, they use what they call in herding note to self email Glenn to come on podcast. Um, but then the alternative to that, the lower, you know, the low labor, high technology option would be callers you know, collars, ear tags, whatever, whatever technology ends up being. And I could see there's a really strong use case for that on public lands. Mm -hmm. and, you know, knowing where they've been, knowing where they've been, you know, knowing where they've been grazing off the heat map and where they haven't. And I think you could also get a understanding over time of how to use terrain as natural barriers yes. to draw your computer generated fences on. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we're already doing. Um, so like there's a four day training protocol once new callers go on new cattle. So the cattle don't understand what the behavior of the sound or the shock stimulus mean. And so it, we like it to be to a hard fence so that they shy away from something that they see. But if potentially there's no hard fence to train off of, we do a natural landscape barrier. So like a downhill slope or like brush area that they want to stay out of or a rocky area that they don't want to get into okay cool stuff cool stuff when am i going to get to see you again um i don't know when i'm traveling to kansas <laughs> are you coming this way i don't know um there's our calf's convention in deadwood yeah. south dakota in I know August. some of our teammates are going to that. 
I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, last I checked, if I wanted to fly out of Wichita, it was kind of high, but if I flew mm-hmm. out of Dodge City, it was half the price. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Explain that one to me. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But at a little over 12 hours with, you know, $4 plus gasoline or $5 diesel. Yes. Who drove through Oregon and that was $5 and 45 cents a gallon. I was like, what? I was like, can we just drive to Idaho state line and get gas? And he's like, we can afford this. I was like, I don't want to, like, I just don't want to pay for this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, the first part of this we recorded a few weeks ago, this part, uh, by the time y'all hear it on release day, um, it's just a couple days old and who knows what weirdness might be follow us. We might be, you know, by the end of the week, we might be having fond memories of, of gas at only four fifty and diesel at only five fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, very strange times we're living in. And I think it, um, I think it goes without saying that, uh, you know, those questions we've been asking for over a year, you know, how will high price diesel fuel affect your operation? Now it's doing it. It's doing it. It's doing it. You know, even the produce at the grocery store. I'm like, I don't want to pay for this. Like why? Yeah. It, a lot of things have changed Mm -hmm. and they're changing rapidly. Um, but some things, the more some things change, the more some things are going to remain the same. You know, cows still want to eat, uh, cows still need grass and sunshine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, are you about ready to get out of here? Yeah, I just wanted to just real quick is I felt like we were, well, you're just at Grass for Exchange a couple of weeks ago. And it's just really honestly motivating when you guys come up to us and you're like, hey, I love your podcast. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. And so just like, thank you guys for doing that and for being there. I think that was like, I, I just never expect that in any kind of ranching space. And it's kind of, kind of cool to experience that, to be honest. So, um, just wanted to give that little shout out of gratitude. Yeah. And I really want to, I'll, I would echo that statement. I don't want to steal any thunder from it because no, we, we, you get it more than I do. And I'm like, Oh, you know who I am. Like that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I try not to get used to it. How's that? No, no, it does not make it big heads, but we just definitely, it doesn't go unnoticed is my point. Yeah, I, I really appreciate, you know, everybody that came up to me. It was, uh, you know, it's always great to meet fans. Always look forward to meeting new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, said, I'm like we were talking about, I'm not real sure how much more I'm going to be getting out of the Red Hills um, until either A, yeah, it comes down or, or the world calms down and things get a little more reasonable. Yep, exactly. So, all right. Well, thank you, Brian. Well, thank you, CK. It's always wonderful to see you, dear. Mm-hmm. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, gang. Enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>